Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in with us on this week's Led by the Word. We are in 1 Kings chapter 5. If you don't have the Bible course, 100% free. Sister Liz, she does all the grading. I love the Bible course. We actually, I got a call on the Word Network a few weeks ago. A pastor wanted to take it. And this guy, he's going through it. He's like multiple lessons in. And he was saying how it touched his life. So the Bible course, we've said this before, and I just want to reiterate, it's not commentary, it's not opinion, it's literally questions and answers from what you're reading to just push you to study the Word of God. And I have loved this, I encourage you, take a, t take a moment, fill out the form, and we'll send you a Bible course today. Well, if the form is filled out after 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we will send you a course out <laughs> tomorrow. So... Get you that unbelievable, 100% free. We are in 1 Kings chapter 5, as I said, and we're finally to the temple. I have wanted the temple so long. I, You know, you, when I was young, there was always those pastors. It's like the tabernacle when they're breaking it down. And I would be like, Ugh. I, I don't know. I never cared. I never cared about the structure, the design. Now I'm, I'm just 29, and I'm like obsessive about this. I'm already looking for me bottles to build. Mitchell, I found a... Can build a whole temple model, and it comes when you buy the temple model, it comes with a little tabernacle model you can build too. So, yeah, if it comes Friday, I've got a busy weekend ahead of me. I, I don't know, this is unbelievable. And I, I read one quote, and it and I was curious, how much did this temple cost? Like, what is let's do guesses, Mitchell? How much you think it cost to build the temple? No, let me hear Let's hear it. Let me just hear it over. Like in today's time? In today's gosh, finances. I don't know. Like two million. Okay, two million. Five. Five. So one guy said estimated thirty million. That was his guess. Oh. <laughs> so they deep studied it and they were like, let's do this. So this guy he like looked into it. So the floor is solid gold. The walls are covered in gold. A hundred and now listen. That's not even some of the more expensive spots. Something in here that I want to talk about is the foundation. Everything has to have a good foundation. And I'm really getting way ahead of myself. The estimate is $174 billion. I was off a little bit there. They're considering building the most expensive structure of all time that they claim without looking into this. And it's $6 billion. Mm. 6 or 16 this was 174 billion and here's what really is the kicker on this it's tiny it's smaller than the building we're in right now now it's taller it's mm -hmm. 45 feet tall only in that one structure because it's three structures put together to make one what we call the temple there's a courtyard but everything together it's 30 feet wide 90 feet long 45 feet tall on one part and the rest is nowhere near that tall it's little, but it's all of the precious items and all of the value that's put into it. So I want to kind of run through some of this. Um, is his name Hiram? Yes. Is that how to say it? And he is referenced. I don't know if that's how. I said that with confidence, if that's how you say it. But he is referenced in the Samuels too, which is very exciting. It's like foreshadowing. Here's some really cool stuff. Hiram is not even an Israelite. David we talk about how David was a great warrior. Mm -hmm. David was also really good at peace. Mm -hmm. David not only had peace with neighbors. So David's talking, I mean, Solomon's talking to Hiram. And he's like, okay, I'm going to build the temple. And Hiram's like, you are as wise as I expected. And the temple, it's not his God. He's a king of Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And he knew just from the relationship he had with his father. He's like, this guy is amazing. This guy's following through with what David said. So 
Hiram, neighboring king, they actually found his uh, sarcophagus. Did they? Here's the coolest part. He had letters to Solomon. Oh, that is awesome. I love how they try so hard to make it like the Bible's not real and they don't talk about this stuff. This dude right here who's, I mean, you don't hear ministers talk about Hiram. You don't hear, he's not preached on. There's not a big story about Hiram. But Hiram's sarcophagus was found and he still was talking about, like in his death, it was important to him, the relationship with David and David's son Solomon. And I think that's amazing. So David, as we know, was not able to build the temple Blood on his hands. We've talked about all that already. Solomon builds the temple. But David was already gathering materials years ago. You can go to First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 4, and it talks about how David was like, I want all the cedar there is. And he's like working on this. Then he has all the cedar. And Solomon steps in. Solomon's like, oh, man, we need way more cedar. So Solomon partners with um, Hiram. And the trade deal that they make is food for trees. Mm -hmm. And they use the river. To send the trees down. Then once the trees are sent down. And they come up to the location. Then they do what they call bust up the trees. They clean them off on the banks. Before they ever reach the location of the temple. So he's sending them. The numbers are really hard to fathom. But he's sending them like 20,000. Something of wheat. 30,000 of something else. And he says I'm going to feed your household. And you send this. So they're very satisfied. So Solomon gets to the point. To where he's like this is going to take forever. So I'm going to send 30,000 men of Israel to you to help get the trees. So they do this over a course of three months. So they go one month at a time, and then they're home two months. So it's 10,000 working men at a time. Now, I think of 100 men. That's a lot. Think of 1,000. 10,000 dudes out here working. Like, you wrap your head around that. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So Solomon, we estimate there's no direct timeline here, but we believe he started the temple within a month of his kingship. Wow. So it takes four years to gather materials. Lord. So I, I know you, you're, uh, some of your notes are earlier in here. I'm, I'm talking a lot just about the construction of it. I want to hear some of your notes. So... I mean, right off the bat in chapter 5, verse 1, Hiram is stated that he had a strong fondness, a love for David. So when he goes out to meet Solomon and finds out Solomon's doing this, he rejoices. He's like, oh yeah, here we go. Two good kings. I love this. This is good. This is great. But this, um, them working together, Hiram and Solomon, it was mutually beneficial. Because at this point, Hiram kind of controlled a lot of the Mediterranean trade. So he wasn't exactly hurting for money per se, like they were prosperous entire, but it did mutually benefit them both. So that's great that they were able to work all that out. And when I saw this guy's name, I was really, really excited because in Samuel, it references um, Hiram and David talking together. And it's like, oh, foreshadowing, like, you know, this is the guy that's going to provide the cedar for the temple. And, you know, we're getting excited. My very first line of notes today is something exciting is happening. We are starting the temple. Here we go. This is huge. And Solomon kind of explains the situation to Hiram very simply, but elegantly. I'd like to read that. Chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Thou knowest how that David, my father, could not build an house unto the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. So I love that this is the reference point. Solomon said, 
you know, my dad, he was a great man. He was, you know, after God's own heart, like incredible. He wanted to build God a house, basically, like a beautiful temple, but he could not because of all of these wars and stuff going on. And my commentary touched on this, but I also like would like to make the point a lot of those wars, you know, obviously came out of a place of necessity. It wasn't like David was just out here raising Cain and like, let's start fights and everything. A lot of it was um, a response to provocation, you know, they were necessary wars. But because of this, he could not focus on the building of the temple. A lot of times, if you've been watching our um, Led by the Word series for a long time, Micah brings in like a spiritual aspect and I really like a lot of the history stuff. I'm not going to lie to you guys, the temple overwhelms me a little bit. When I hear any number of any sort, like my brain, like my eyes just gloss over. Like I'm like, it's really hard for me to process stuff like that. But um, I really, something I did notice is when he was talking about, you know, my father was at war. And of course, in Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul writes, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And we've said this before, we'll probably say it a hundred more times, the Old Testament is parallel to the New Testament. You know, it shows its types, its shadows, you know, you even see types of Christ. Like, it's beautiful the way they mirror each other. And of course, we are so, so, so blessed that we don't have to necessarily get to the holy of holy temples to be in the presence of God. Amen. You know, He dwells in us. Like, what a time. Like, like... I call that like after the veil tears, you know, like living in that period of time is incredible. We, oh my gosh, we are so blessed. But I do see the similarities here of he takes all of this time to make sure it's right. I mean, it's chapter upon chapter. We're going to get into it of, you know, this exact measurement and this exact length and this exact numbers and everything, even the materials has meaning. And he put all this work and dedication, which he should have, yes, it was totally warranted, to building a physical house for the Lord what are we putting into ourselves, our spiritual temples, our, Man. you know, for the Lord to dwell in? And people take it different ways. I've taken it different ways. Like, yes, you need to treat your body with respect and maybe not pump it full of sugar day in and day out, of course. But spiritually, what are we putting in? I told Micah, I felt not necessarily convicted, but like a little bit like I should really take a moment and pray and think about the stuff that I'm ingesting on the regular and not bad stuff obviously i'm not out here watching disgusting things but just like if i'm just mindlessly scrolling through facebook hour after hour how is that edifying my spirit man like it's not so i told him like i've been really trying to listen to sound bible teachers i've been trying to really pump in more gospel music and it's not like we're listening to secular music we just don't listen to music a lot at all like i don't I never know any new songs until the praise team starts singing them. So I've been trying to seek out and be like, what am I, if I'm building up the temple, a place for the Lord to build. The second verse I didn't write down is um, 1 Corinthians 3.17 was talking about how we're holy temples. Man. And I think a lot of people look at themselves and be like, I am, um, <laughs> this temple's been through something. Like, I'm not feeling holy. Thankfully, it's not in your physical appearance. It's not what your physical body's been through. It's your spiritual man. But that's when, when I read that about how David, unfortunately, had to give all his time to war, it reminded me of what are we warring with? Now, Micah's dad did this amazing series. We've just posted on Facebook. It just aired on TV, The Ten Commandments of Marriage. If you've not watched it, Man. please watch it. It's excellent. But he was talking about within marriage, things are always going to be going on the outside of your homes. There's work pressure, there's family pressure, there's drama, there's this, there's financial struggles. But don't let it enter into your house, like into your marriage. And I told Micah just a few weeks ago how the pressures of life are so unfair 
they never let up and they're never like one thing after the other like it's always like boom 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 like just a thick stack of mess and drama and nonsense to work through and pressures and deadlines and things missing you know but that's how the enemy works the enemy doesn't fight fair he's trying to overwhelm you so i guess my whole point was that I feel like even though there's war around us, if you can have peace in your spirit, you can tap into that peace that passes understanding from the Lord and work on your spiritual temple and really focus in on, yes, there might be crazy going on around you, but the inside, you can have that peace, you can build up that temple, that holy is a temple for the Lord to dwell in. Amen. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. They, they recognized on the physical sense looking out how important this needed to be for God. And God directed them. God, you know, one, one note I put on here, and I, I think I put this for me personally, but I'm just going to talk to you. God is the God of details. Yeah. Sometimes all you got to do is ask him. So when he was laying this out, like, I want to come down here and read some of this to you. Well, let me, let me stay on track. Let me stay on track. I got so much. He lays out, I want this here. I want this here. I want this like this and this like this. And he's very much the God of details. Costly stones. So when we're thinking these costly stones are greatly huge, they're done perfect. I want you to pause for a minute. Uh, think of that last time your neighbor was doing construction. I am that neighbor right now. My house is very noisy. There's always, it's early. Everybody's like, oh no, Micah's at it again. It's, it's just part of it. It was not like that for the temple. The construction site was silent. Hmm. Here's, listen to this. Everything that had to be hewed or cut was done elsewhere. So if you're a stone man, like I've, I've worked for a mason before, there is so much cutting. So if they're like, okay, this stone goes here. Now I need a perfect stone for here. It needs to be cut here, here, and here. They take that stone, they carry it away, and they cut it, and they bring it back and they place it. This is where it even gets crazier. Uh, Solomon wanted costly stones for the foundation that's never seen. Mm. He knew if they were building the hard work, the things that you don't see mattered. Mm -hmm. And God, God works with us in that same way. You know, when you see a man or a woman that is very anointed and they're doing these great things, and you're looking at it like, man, it's like an anointing of a gold floor. It's like an anointing of gold chains hanging in their life. It's like God is just dwelling here. I can, I mean, I've seen people healed in their ministry. I've seen this. There has been a lot of work silently done unseen. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, I've watched the construction. There was no big deal. I mean, I saw them do their thing. There was stuff off in a distance you saw nothing about. There was stuff that God developed them in. There was attacks from the enemy that God protected them from. There is supernatural work going through their life that you know nothing about. That's right. So these people that watch the temple, and they're like, man, that's, that's a lot of resources. That's 30,000 men in Lebanon, and we also have 74,000 men, 74,000 men, think of that, doing stonework. Mm -hmm. They're like, that's 100,000 people. I don't see that. I see 500 men out there working. What is going on, Solomon? And you, you got to think, you know, people people are awful. People are like wondering, what, what's going on? We're being lied to. Where are they going? What's happening here? And it's because there are things happening that you can't see. Mm -hmm. That is why it's so important for us never to compare ourselves one to another. Because we're comparing only what we see. And what we see is only just the precipice of what's actually happened in their life, in their ministry. So what you've got to work on is, God, 
I need, to, I need to focus on the costliness and the value of the foundation. I need to focus on the importance of my prayer time. I need to focus on the importance of my fasting. I need to focus on the importance of me studying this word. God, I need to focus on the importance of the costliness of the foundation of my relationship with you. So I encourage you to study this stuff out. Search this word out. Pray over yourself. Fast over yourself. Worry less about what others are doing. And focus more on what you can do. So we come into chapter 6. Chapter 6 starts out, and it's pretty much just dimensions. It's numbers, 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 numbers. And I love this. I just enjoy it. We got that 90 by 30 by 45. Roughly $174 billion in the year 2020. With inflation, we're probably at $200 billion now. And I'm not even kidding. Like, right. probably more than that. Probably close to $210 billion for this structure. Which, keep in mind, this is not a big structure. So, let's see. Uh, this is, we're going to break this down more in the coming weeks. I'm hoping my model can be here so we can lay it out and show you. And this is something I want to end with you that is so sad. And I'm not even halfway through my notes. I'll kind of speed run because I've already went so long. Four years after Solomon dies, this place is raided. Mm. Four years. The effort, the value, and the care put into this. Four years after he passed. No, I love this. No hammer or chisel or iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. God was so focused on keeping, or Solomon was so focused on keeping this place silent. We go back, one of the big things that touched me was the reason the temple was built. David comes back in Hiram, Hiram? Hiram, yeah. Hiram, he, he built him a house. So David, he kicks up his feet and he's like, man, war's over, there's a little bit of peace. This is beautiful. And then it just hits him emotionally. And he prays out, cries out to God. He said, God, I live in a palace. I live in a mansion. I live in this exalted, wonderful place. And I left you in a tent. Mm -hmm. Now, we go back to the tabernacle. We deep studied the tabernacle. You all remember that. That was fun in Sunday school. We had the poster and we could break it down. So he's like, I got to build you something huge. So there were gold chains across the veil separating the holy place from the most holy place. These gold chains stretched across the front of the inner sanctuary and served to strengthen the concept of the inaccessibility of the most holy place. There were two cherubim of olive wood. So think of this. They carved these massive cherubims out of this mm. olive wood. Okay, the floor of the temple, you can read this in 1 Kings chapter 6. 20 through 22 and 1 Kings chapter 6 verse 30. The floor of the temple was overlaid with gold. There was gold everywhere in the temple. The walls had gold. The floor was gold. Uh, they hammered this all in and they carved out this gold. Like it's it's not just gold. This is detailed gold. Right. I mean it's it's unbelievable. And then you have your inner court and your outer court and it was seven years building this. So Solomon... He's the son of his father, and he said, okay, i got to build this great thing for my God, this great thing that was promised, this great prophecy. So he does it, seven-year temple built. Then Solomon goes into chapter 7, and he said, now let's build my house. Right. And this is so sad. His house took 13 years to build. His house, listen to this, the temple's already immaculate. Now, God gave direct specifications. You can read chapter 6, verse 38, and you can read 1 Chronicles chapter 28, 11, and 12 to see God's specifications. There were no specifications for Solomon's house. 
the dimensions of the temple. I got this graph and I love this. It made it easier for me instead of like trying to link everything up. The temple was 90 feet by 30 feet by 45 feet. Solomon, after looking at that temple, said, I deserve 150 feet by 75 feet by 45 feet. Um, the uh, high, high quality stone of the temple, he said, I need high quality or higher quality stone for my house. Uh, he did allow all the work to be done on site. You can read that in chapter 7, verse 9, where there was these narrow, narrow windows up very high. He looked at those windows, and windows were hard to build. Mm -hmm. He said, now that's beautiful. I want three times as many windows. And he was even like sitting here, we have those windows, but in my house I need three. I need sets of three instead of one, and they need to be wider and taller. It was so sad. And there's nothing wrong with him having a house. There's nothing wrong with him having a place of residence. Mm -hmm. But he looked at what God had and said, I need better. And that's where the problem was. His house, now this is where it gets unbelievable. When you come into the throne room of his house, he put 45 pillars of cedar. And someone walked in and said, is this the forest of Lebanon? And he, he said, yes. So they named his house the forest of Lebanon. Seems excessive. He's the Israelite who has the forest of Lebanon house from a neighboring kingdom. The most powerful kingdom on earth and he's mimicking his place after someone else. God's already given him all these things. God's already given him so much wisdom. God's already given him so much direction. And he's already like fallen into some greed, fallen into some problems, fallen into some issues. And the thing I want to end and tell you is God really works with us. Any point during this, God could have thrown him away. Any point during this, God could have looked ahead and said, this is what he's going to do. Any point during this, God could have said, you know what? I'm going to let angels built the temple. Hmm. David's messed up. Solomon's going to mess up. He told David, he said, when your son messes up, I'll not throw him away for his iniquities. Mm -hmm. He said, I forget. he already knew Solomon was going to mess up. It, but God said, I, I'm going to use him. And this shows us in our lives, God wants people. God could send an angel down and tell the world about God. God could send an angel down with a trumpet right now and just talk about his greatness. God wants you. And you think of that, you say, I'm unwilling, I'm unworthy. So was Solomon. So was David. And we've got to say, God, use me. Find a way to work with me in my life, God. Find a way to use me in ministry. Find a way to use me in outreach. Because I know you could be using angels. Mm -hmm. And they can be made perfect or you can toss them. So, God, in my imperf imperfect problems, in my issues, God, sanctify me. Help me change and use me in your kingdom. I I'm so touched by seeing how God uses Solomon. Even though Solomon's next thing, chapter 6, tabernacle or temple, chapter 7, Solomon's house. And then we come halfway through this. I think it's the, the 30s and the chapter kind of changes a little bit and goes forward in some other topics. I encourage you. I wanted to go through all uh, chapter 5 through 10 today, but there's so much to cover. Uh, please study this out yourself. Please read through this. And before you do this, uh, pray to God and say, God, show me how this can speak to me. Show me how I can be using this in my life. Oh, I remember the next part of the chapter is the furnishings. That's some of the most expensive part of the temple. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so he, he builds his house, then he goes back and talking about the furnishings of the temple. The temple's furnishings are unbelievable, the hand carving and the work put into it. So please take time to study this. Fantastic, fun things to hear about. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. Please take a moment like this and share this. God bless you. God bless you.